0: Welcome to The First Podcast, the weekly message series featuring Pastor Nicole Schreiber. Last week we started a new series called I'm In. This series is all about who is the church. We often fall into the trap of thinking that the church is a building when it's actually a community of people. Last week Pastor Nicole took a strong look at our own feelings of inadequacy that get in the way of God's plans both for us as people and for the church as a whole. We saw that each and every one of us are invaluable to the kingdom. Today, Pastor Nicole is looking at the topic of being an influencer. Influence has become a major currency in today's culture, but God has always called his people to be influential wherever we may find ourselves. So let's get started and see how God calls all of us to be influential.
1: Before me was a great multitude from every nation, tribe, people, and language standing before the throne.
2: Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Padre nuestro, que estás en el cielo. Santificado sea tu nombre.
1: Sugas tanayan yung al de pitabi ang yir de naman pujitamaki nami.
3: O genero seramakbobo juhu. Juniruwa jovakbone.
2: Your kingdom come your will be done on earth as it is in heaven
1: Angiye rajyam varinaame Angiye thirumanasu swargathile pole bhoomilum aakki name
2: Venga nosotros tu reino hágase tu voluntad en la tierra como en el cielo
1: Oh
3: God give us today our daily bread
1: Danasoy nuestro pan de cada día Alla nanvenda aaharam inna nyanakathirainame
2: and forgive us our debts. Perdona nuestras ofensas. As we also have forgiven our
1: debtors.
3: And
2: lead us not into temptation. No temptation,
1: but deliver us from the evil one, and
2: us deliver us from the evil After this I looked, and there before me was a great multitude that no one could count.
3: Y y
1: barbeno, and I de
2: nation, tribe, people, And I And I
3: went. And this. And And And
1: I
2: standing before the throne and before the
1: lamb
2: they were wearing white robes and were holding palm branches in their hands
1: Billing in the a the the
2: Vestidos de Ropas Blancas, con Palmas in Las Manos.
3: and
2: And they cried out in a loud voice,
3: and they cried out in a loud voice.
2: Salvation belongs to our God who sits on the throne and to the Lamb.
3: La Salvacion pertences a nuestro Dios que está sentado
1: en el trono y al conveyor. I want you to go to the Fiago Cabaret. Could you marry Love God and His people. Build Jesus' center lives and send
2: out spirit led disciples.
1: I am in.
2: I'm in. I'm in.
3: I am in. I'm in. i I'm in. I'm in. I'm in. Are you in?
4: All right, I have a question for you today. When you were a kid, or maybe you still classify yourself as a kid, what did you want to be when you grew up? Tell some people around you. When you were a kid, what did you wanna be when you grew up? So the Harris Poll recently did a survey of American kids to answer this question. 11% of American kids said they wanted to be an astronaut. Anyone else? Any of you said an astronaut? All right, okay. 19% of American kids wanted to be a musician. Anyone wanna be a musician? They wanted to grow up to be a musician, okay. 23% of American kids said they wanted to be a professional athlete. How many of you wanted to play a professional sport? Okay, some of you made that goal. 26% they wanted to be a teacher. That's me, I wanted to be a teacher. Growing up, raise your hand if that's what you said. Okay. But the most popular answer of all the most popular answer of all among American kids today, what they wanted to be, was 29% wanted to be a social media influencer. Now, how many of you in this room grew up wanting to be a social media influencer? Some of you are like, What's, what is social media? I'm not even sure what that is. Okay, so here's what we can learn from this data. Astronauts are cool, but not as cool as YouTubers, right? That's, that's basically the data that we've learned. You know, the Oxford Dictionary explains the word influencer as a person or a thing that influences others, and marketing has really morphed that into a person with the ability to influence potential buyers of a product or a service by promoting or recommending the items on social media. So what happens is kids see influencers as people who are doing interesting activities and talking about them. Um, There are YouTube channels with hours of footage of people just opening wrapped presents. Do you guys know about this? I have no idea why that is fascinating, but my children would watch it forever. Uh, They're just opening, oh, what's inside of here? Let me take it out. I'm like, guys, you can do that. Upstairs, They're like, no, no, I want to watch them do this, okay? But but what's happening is people are talking about what they're doing, and they're influencing others to go and buy that toy or do that thing. So last week, we started this series called I'm In, and we talked about how each and every person in the church is invaluable. Every person matters. You matter to the family of God. And today, I want to talk about another thing that every Christ follower in this room is and that is you are influential. You are influential. You are not just invaluable, you are that too, but you are also influential. And you don't have to acquire thousands of followers on social media to be influential. You don't have to be a YouTuber or an astronaut. God sees you as extremely influential in the kingdom of God. And God has designed you to be influential for his glory. God has designed you to be influential for his glory. I want to read to you from Matthew 5, verse 13. It says, you are the salt of the earth. But if the salt loses its saltiness, how can it be made salty again? It is no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled underfoot. Jesus is speaking here and he's calling his followers to some really important things. And first he says this, you are the salt of the earth. Um, How many of you would uh, do the same thing I do? The first thing you do when you get a basket of french fries or some delicious tortilla chips is put salt on them. Anybody? I don't even taste it first. Listen, more salt. You'll never be sad if I just put more salt on these chips. More salt, always the answer. Salt is an essential element in the diet of humans and animals and plants. Not only does it flavor food, it makes it taste better, but it also aids in digestion. Uh, Did you know that salt uh, cannot be destroyed by fire? Salt doesn't burn. And it also never ages. So the same amount of salt that was on the earth when it began is the same amount it is now, it's timeless. It ceases, it never ceases to exist. At different times in history, salt um, has served as money. Wouldn't that be nice? I'd be sprinkling my tortilla chips all day long. Just need a little bit more for the vacation. Roman soldiers were given salt rations. In fact, uh, where we get the word salary, the salary that you receive for working, is from a phrase, uh, salarum argentum, which means a salt ration. That's actually where we get the word salary. This is interesting. More wars have been fought over salt than gold. How about that? Here's one last one. When Leonardo da Vinci painted The Last Supper, he put an overturned salt cellar. You'll see it right here in the picture. You might have never noticed it before. But he painted an overturned salt shaker or salt cellar in front of Judas. I fact-checked this when I actually read it in one of my studies, because salt was part of the covenant-making process. It was part of the promise-keeping process. And Judas was about to break his loyalty and his commitment to Jesus. Judas is the one who betrayed Jesus. And this overturned salt is meant to be a symbol of Judas about to lose the influence that he has on this team. It it was a symbol of saying, look, the influence, the promise, the covenant, the discord is about to happen among the disciples and it's going to happen because of this man. And that's that little detail that Leonardo da Vinci included in there. I was thinking about how salt seasons things, salt flavors things, right? Whatever it touches. When I put salt on my French fries, I don't say, wow, that was some great salt. I say, wow, those were some great fries, right? When I put salt on my tortilla chips, the chips are the thing I'm gonna talk about. The job of salt, track with me here, is not to make you think the salt was great. The job is to bring out how great the thing, the salt came in contact with. So here's what Jesus is saying. You are here to be salt seasoning that brings out the God flavors of this earth. That's what we're supposed to be the salt of the earth is not to bring us any kind of of glory or wow that's really good salt but to say the thing that we are enhancing the flavor that we're bringing out the thing that we're showing other people who jesus is and what he does for us that makes you the salt of the earth when you are kind to others you bring glory to god you put salt to show how good god is when you're courageous. You're highlighting God's strength in you. When you are cheerful and positive, when you're faith-filled, you change the flavor of the conversation. Am I right? You can change the flavor of any conversation if you are the one who says, okay, no, we're not gonna go to that negative place. (laughs) We're gonna talk about the goodness in this situation, the goodness in these people. We're gonna give people the benefit of the doubt. You change the atmosphere around you when you are the salt of the earth. You know, we have no idea how one conversation, one word of encouragement, one expression of love could change someone's life. We have no idea. We have no idea how God might use one word, one moment, one generous expression of love to help people see the grace of Jesus. You are called to be influential. You are called to be salt of the earth. Max Lucado is an author and he tells this story about a man who was flying a plane in World War II. Uh, the man piloted a B-17. And on one mission, he, the pilot sustained shots from Nazi anti-aircraft guns. And even though his gas tanks were hit, the plane did not explode, and the man was able to land the plane, and he was safe. So on the morning after the attack, the man asked his crew chief uh, to, to see the German shell of one of the bullets. He wanted to keep a souvenir of how incredibly you know, blessed he was for, for surviving that attack. And the crew chief explained that there wasn't just one bullet in the gas tank, there was 11. 11 bullets. And the technicians, they they opened the shells to do some research because they just couldn't explain how this plane had been shot 11 times and never even exploded. And they found that every shell was completely empty, void of any explosives, except one bullet had a small, tiny piece of paper in it. And they carefully unrolled the piece of paper and scrawled in a different language that said, this is all we can do for you now. So what had happened is a courageous assembly line worker was disarming bullets and scribbled this note inside the bullet. He couldn't end the war, but he could save one plane. He couldn't stop the fighting, but he could do what he could do. He couldn't do everything, but he could do something. And this act of kindness saved that pilot's life. Yeah, give God thanks for that. You know, this, the, the, the assembly line worker probably never even knew the outcome. He probably never even knew uh, the outcome of making empty bullets. But the pilot, the pilot was forever thankful for that man's decision in that moment to do something kind and do something courageous. You know, when you take seriously being the salt of the earth, you don't need a platform. You don't need to wait for permission. In fact, you may uh, not even ever get the credit for that kind or generous thing that you do. But influence never starts with a title, influence never starts with a position, influence never starts with a platform. It always starts by loving the people around you. Just do something. Do something small, something that doesn't benefit you or serve yourself. Pray for a friend. Give to kingdom builders or help someone go on a missions trip. Help your neighbor mow the grass. Smile at someone in the grocery store. Listen, just do something for someone else and see what happens. Because in God's world, small deeds are big things. In God's world, small things are big things. Uh, Jesus told a parable in Matthew about a mustard seed. A mustard seed is super tiny. It's the smallest of all seeds. And in the parable, it talks about how a tiny mustard seed erupts and grows to to this huge bush three times our height. And it has large branches and, and, and birds can flock and live in there. And the point is this. What begins small in God's kingdom always ends massive. That's how God works. He doesn't say, come to me with all of your plans and a big strategy. He says, listen, just give me all the small things and I will make them big things. Just give me the small things. Give me the faith that you have and I'll turn it into something you could never do. Give me the prayers that you can offer, and I will do something with them that you could never do on your own. God is always just asking us for every small thing, and he'll make it into a big thing. John Wesley once said this, do all the good you can by all the means you can, in all the ways you can, in all the places you can, at all the times you can, to all the people you can, as long as you ever All right, the next metaphor Jesus uses to describe his influential followers is right after Matthew 13. It's actually Matthew 5, 14 through 16. Let me read it to you this morning. Jesus is talking to his people. He says, you are the light of the world. A town built on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on its stand and it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others that they may see your good deeds and glorify your father in heaven. Now that word light is uh, the Greek word uh, and it's spelled P-H-O-S, phos. And modern day words that come from that Greek word are photo, photography. Jesus is saying, you are my photo, you are my image, you are my exposure to the world. What does light do? Light pierces the darkness and reveals things as they really are. Darkness is expelled as soon as you turn on the light and you have light to shine that is influential to exposing God's glory. You know, people are not often aware of the darkness they live in until they see the light. Until they see, oh, this could be different. I could feel different. Oh, you don't live your life in total fear and worry all the time? I don't even know what that would be like. Oh, you're not uh, totally hopeless because things look really bleak in the world? I don't even know what that would be like. People don't even know what they're missing. But a really important question is, does your life help people see Jesus more clearly? Does your life help people See Jesus more clearly because that's what Jesus is asking us to do, to be the light of the world, to help people see more clearly, see with more accuracy. Verse 15 uh, in this passage says, if you light a lamp and put it on a stand, it will bring light to everyone in the house. Everyone in the house benefits from the light. Do others know you? as a Christ follower, at your school, do they know? In your college class, at your work, in your family, do they know? Not just do they know if you come to church, but do they know that you're a Christ follower? Everyone in the house benefits from the lamp. That's what that scripture says, everyone. That everyone in the house benefits. Come on, even your cat should know you're a Christian, okay? (laughs) Last year, um, we got a puppy about a year ago or so. I don't know, it's felt like a long time, but um, anyway, we were looking at the group of puppies and uh, we picked one out, and my second grader asked if we picked that particular puppy out because we knew he was a Christian puppy. And to that second grader that you say 100% yes, that's why we picked that puppy, because we know. But this passage continues, and it says, listen, don't people don't light a lamp and put it under a bowl. I mean, that's ludicrous. That would totally defeat the purpose of the lamp. It would help no one if it was under a bowl. My husband gives us this lecture once a week. If the lights are on and no one's home, that's only helping the electric company. I mean, it's helping no one. We can't see anything better, right, if the lights stay on, even when nobody's home. And this this passage is saying the light is only effective if it's revealing and reflecting. And so your light, your little light, come on, should you hide it under a bushel? Should you let Satan blow it out? Okay, this little light of mine, what do you do with it? Let it shine, let it shine, let it shine, right? You are an influencer because you have the light. You are the light of the world. Let me end with this. There was a woman in the New Testament who is an unlikely influencer. No one thought this woman would have influence. Uh, She appears in John 4. Jesus comes across her. Uh, She's a Samaritan woman. Now, in that culture... Jewish people, who is Jesus, they don't talk to Samaritans. Jewish people believe Samaritans were um, less than human. They were, they were not uh, worthy people in that culture. They had no influence or standing. And we don't know a lot about this particular Samaritan woman. In fact, the scripture doesn't even give her a name. But we do know that she is going to a well around noon. And typically women go to the well in the morning. So we know she's trying to avoid uh, seeing other people. So she's probably an outcast. She's not accepted. And she is about to go to this well around noon. And Jesus shocks everyone that he's with and sits down right by her well. Jesus, he's waiting for her. He's not thirsty. He wants to see her. And Jesus is seeking her out and meeting her. Right at the place she will be. And just by doing this, he's communicating there is no divide too wide for the grace of God. So let's read in John 4 7 when the Samaritan woman came to draw water, Jesus said to her, Will you give me a drink? His disciples had gone into the town to buy food. Jesus dignifies this woman by asking her for a drink, and she's intrigued, she's confused. She has no idea why a Jewish man would be talking to her. And so the Samaritan woman in verse nine says to him, you're a Jew, I'm a Samaritan woman. How can you ask me for a drink for Jews do not associate with Samaritans? And Jesus answered her, if you knew the gift of God and who it is that asks you for a drink, you would have asked him and he would have given you living water. You see, Jesus knew everything about this woman. Everything. Jesus knew her messy life. Jesus knew she had been married and divorced five times. She was the woman who everyone whispered about and had questions, but Jesus goes to her, offers her living water, offers her a fresh start, offers her grace and mercy, and invites her into relationship with him. And that moment, that interaction at the well, changes everything for this woman. She believes what Jesus is saying to her. She accepts his forgiveness and she leaves that moment different. That visit to the well, every other day was normal. That visit changed everything about her. That visit changed everything about her life. And John 4 just reminds us, no matter how bad your life is messed up, No matter how far you feel from God, Jesus wants to reach into your life and bring you back to him. In fact, John four would show us that Jesus is not just a, um, a distant person. He is waiting for you at your well to meet you right where you are today. That's where Jesus is. He's like, I'm right here. Will you just take this living water that I have? And in fact, in case today no one has ever told you directly, or maybe it's been a long time, I want to do that right now, you can be saved by the grace of God. Like Jesus Christ looks to the bottom of who you are, he knows everything about you, he knows everything you've done wrong, and he loves you anyway. He, he paid the greatest price, and he wants your heart. And today, if you want to pray with someone to accept that truth and to repent of your sin and get to know the person of Jesus Christ before you leave today, I want you to visit the prayer tables to my right and to my left. Don't leave this room until you take care of that business with God, because very well, Jesus might have brought you here today to make that important decision. So next in the scripture, The woman has this incredible moment right, with the Lord and realizes she is deeply loved and she can have a relationship with Jesus. And so she goes to the countryside and she starts telling everyone about this man who told her everything about her life but loved her anyway. I want to read it to you in John 4. It says, many of the Samaritans from that town believed in him because of the woman's testimony. He told me everything I ever did. So when the Samaritans came to him, they urged him to stay with them and he stayed for two days. And because of his words, many more became believers. And they said to the woman, we no longer believe just because of what you said. Now we have heard for ourselves and we know that this man really is the savior of the world. You know what's so beautiful about this story is the person who God chose to use, the person who shared the most vibrant hope with the whole town wasn't the king or the governor or the priest. It wasn't someone with major influence. The person that Jesus planned to be the influencer to the city was a woman who had five husbands, A woman who no one expected. Jesus never entered that town when he lived on earth, but the whole town changed because this unnamed woman at the well was the salt of the earth and the light of the world to that city. Your past sin does not disqualify how God can use you sometimes to change an entire city. You don't have to have it all together to influence someone else toward Jesus. You don't have to pray powerful prayers and quote the Bible from memory. You don't have to be perfect. You just have to know who Jesus is and care about the people around you. And you will immediately be salt and light. You don't need to have 4,000 followers on social media. You need to care about one person in front of you. And you are influential to the kingdom of God. Would you stand this morning? Today we're gonna end by singing this song, asking God to do it again. And I have a gift for you, something for you to take home, so that you can remember, you can declare, like we've been declaring through this series, I'm in. You can remember what we're talking about, that you are invaluable to the kingdom of God, that you are influential, In the kingdom of God. Next week, we're going to talk about being invested in the kingdom of God. And by taking this magnet, you are declaring supernaturally, yes, Lord, I'm in. I'm influential. I am invaluable. I am invested. I'm going to remember to be salt and light wherever I go. You might want to put this on your refrigerator or uh, somewhere at your office, somewhere where you can see it. Maybe someone will say to you, hey, what's that? and then you just get your salt on, okay? You get your light of the world on. That's from my church where I go because I wanna give glory to God. You wanna come? You wanna come see what it's about? There's a lot of pink seats. They're gonna go, pink seats? We're like, yeah, we know they're pink. I don't know. They've been pink for a long time. I want you to take this and put it somewhere to represent Jesus well, to use your influence to expand God's great kingdom work. And so as we sing this song, would you come and grab a magnet? Uh, there's some here on the platform and some um, on these letters here. And, and if someone next to you can't get down there easily, would you, would you say to them before you go down, hey, can I get you one? So that everyone can get one today. Let me pray for us and then we'll sing this song. God, I thank you that you have given us influence. Lord, we want to use it for your glory. We want to be salt of the earth. We want to be the light of the world. We, we know that we are unlikely at times, that we don't always feel qualified and we make mistakes. But God, we want you to use us to bring your great name praise. We want you to use us so more people can understand and know the hope of the gospel. We want more to be used by you so that things can change in this city, so that things can change in this state and in this country, Lord, and in this world. God, would you use us? We don't need a platform, we don't need a title. God, all we need is you to use us in a willing heart. And so God, we're in, we're in for that, God. We declare that today. We're trusting you for what you're doing. Lord, it's in your strong name I pray, amen. All right, would you come, get your magnet, and let's sing this together. to your right and to your left. These guys are going to hang out for a little bit. But otherwise, would you please join us outside at our homecoming celebration? We have some free food and games and connection together. It's the privilege of my life to be your pastor. Thank you. Thank you for being here today. When you're here, you're home. Have a great afternoon. We'll see you guys out
0: Thank you for listening to the Erie First Podcast. We'd love it if you give us a rating and a review on your podcast app, and please subscribe so you never miss a message. You can follow Erie First on Facebook or Instagram, or visit eriefirst.org for all our latest news, announcements, and information. Thanks again for joining us. We'll see you next time.